clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Hello, everyone. Uh, as you can tell from our different theme music this week, we are delivering on that promise we made last week to uh, wrap up uh, this show that everyone's been talking about, uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, I'm Joe Gastineau, and uh, joining me, as always, is my cooking partner in crime, Ed Davis. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Uh, how are you? Still despondent over the end of a, a very good TV show. Yeah, I'm keeping it together a little bit. Uh, I feel like um, it did drain me emotionally, but we've had a week to uh, kind of let it sink in, and uh, we we kind of gave it a week because, well, first practically, uh, you know, we've got jobs and things. We <laughs> couldn't, you know, just get up and do it on a Monday morning to please you people, um, and also we wanted to give it a week for for it to kind of like uh, sink in and kind of maybe not do some of the. Uh, the knee jerking that's been going on on that internet the last the last week or so, um, but yeah, it's over. Uh, Breaking Bad. We've we've kind of um, we've made our position on Breaking Bad pretty clear. It's uh, clearly one of the best TV shows uh, of the last kind of uh, couple of decades, which probably puts it up there as being one of the best TV dramas ever. Um, but now it's over. And how did it end for you, Ed? Uh, I think it ended very, very strongly in terms of se- series finales. I think it's it's one of the the better ones. It certainly felt very kind of viscerally satisfying to me mm-hmm. um, in a very sort of tangible way. I remember uh, I, I, I was when I was watching it. I think it got to the point where we're half an hour from the end, or in terms of non-advert time, probably about twenty minutes from the end, because there were a lot of adverts over here. Oh right, okay. It was because um, it was a supersized seventy-five minute presentation, but that just meant—I think that just meant that they kind of crammed in a few more adverts here and there. But um, it was—it uh, got to about twenty minutes, and I just started to get really worked up because I was like, "Oh God, how are they gonna? How are they gonna wrap it all up?" And I was starting to have a terrible feeling that they were going to wrap it up by having Walt go to the compound and then it would just end before anything happened. Like, really Sopranos it up. Um, I, I genuinely wasn't expecting to have... Um, not that I wasn't expecting to have fun with the finale, but I wasn't expecting it to be as kind of triumphant as it ended up being. Right, OK. I think that was the biggest surprise of the whole series for me. <laughs> Right, yeah. I mean, that that did seem to take people by surprise, and that did seem to be the source of most of the criticism leveled towards uh, the uh, season finale. Because let's not um, kind of beat around the bush. It not there weren't many people who were like hugely dissatisfied or disappointed with the ending, but there were some grumbles um, about perhaps tonally. The last episode uh, made a bit of a shift. Um, away from kind of the rest of the season for sure not perhaps the rest of the show because we've had some pretty kind of pulpy or kind of uh, uh ridiculous. Kind of ridiculous moments in the show uh but following the last couple of episodes before that which have all been rooted in a fairly kind of grim <laughs> uh brutal reality um this maybe was a little bit out of step i think also there were some people who perhaps thought that it wasn't 
it was a little convenient that Walt appeared to be in some way redeemed by the end of the show. How do you uh, tackle those criticisms, Ed? I think there's some basis to them in that, you know, I think the whole final act of the show suddenly making the enemies be sort of neo-Nazis who are pretty much the easiest people in the world to root against. Mm -hmm. Um, Even against someone like Walt who is pretty monstrous uh, in a lot of ways. It was it was that felt a little uh, in the end like they were taking the easy way out as opposed to having the enemy be the final enemy be Hank or or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the finale itself there were some moments where you could really see the see the gears working. Yeah. Particularly the moment when Jack tells them not to kill Walt straight away because he suggests that he's partnered up with Jesse. Mm-hmm. And then apparently this violent neo-Nazi we've seen kill people with absolutely no um, qualms about it suddenly decides, no, I will not have this stand, and then brings Jesse in and gives Walt the time to put his plan into action. That felt very like, you know, you could really see the strings of Vince Gilligan trying to manoeuvre the pieces into place. Not in a way that completely detracted from it, but sort of the further... I got away from the, the the excitement of the finale. The more that that kind of became apparent, that it really did feel like they were he they were really trying to force the pieces into place. Yeah, that that was uh, my complaint about it. I I I felt that emotionally, it was an incredibly satisfying finale mm-hmm. to the show. Um, but I do feel that story wise and writing wise, um, and dramatically wise. Um, <laughs> It was perhaps one of the weaker episodes, uh, definitely of that season, and and possibly of of the show full stop, um, because there were a few moments where it all seemed a little bit convenient with Jack, and you know bringing uh, bringing Jesse out being the the main offender, because that's just something that maybe in season four just wouldn't have wouldn't have happened. And it it, yeah. f- it felt a little bit like they'd kind of painted themselves into a corner, and there was something a little they needed something a little clumsy to kind of get themselves out of it. Yeah, and I mean the whole thing that's great about the show is that they would always paint themselves into corners and then find a really exciting way of getting out of it. Magnets. Magnets, bitch. Mm-hmm. And I think that the problem with you know this one was that the 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 solution out of it did feel a little weak in comparison and also I think you know one of the the problems with it is that the character of Jack wasn't terribly well defined I think the idea of him being so offended by it you know it's not that far away conceptually from Gus going to the nursing home at the end of the fourth season and getting blown up for his own kind of sense of uh, of, desi- of uh, his own desire for revenge mm-hmm. but there the show did such a good job of establishing why he would go there himself yeah. why he would kind of make this one f- um, failure because we know so much about his history and why you know he would be able to why Walt would be able to use that against him whereas here because all we know about Jack is that he's Todd's uncle that he is a murderer and that he's a neo-Nazi. Mm. You know, the the idea that there's this kind of code of the samurai sort of thing there, where he won't allow his honor to be impugned because he didn't, uh, because he welched on the deal to kill Jesse. 
um, it does feel like they're really struggling for a moment that wasn't really justified by the show up to that point. Yeah. Um, and I, I still really liked the way that, that that ended up working out. You know, I thought the the machine gun in the boot of the car was a great touch. I really did kind of that really delighted me for kind of like as a as a ultimate expression of the pulpiness of the show. And I liked the kind of you know Vince Gilligan's basically said the reason why Jesse lives is because it's a searchers kind of moment. Mm-hmm. You know where in the end of the searchers where John Wayne decides not to kill Natalie Wood and decides to take her home. You know there it's you know Walt's plan isn't to save Jesse; it's to get revenge. And then at the last moment, he just suddenly has this kind of pang of conscience and saves Jesse in the process, kind of dooming himself. Uh, which I think doesn't redeem him entirely, but is a nice kind of character moment, and it does bring the show back to their relationship, which has always been the kind of the centre of it all. Um, it took me uh, until pretty much the very end of Breaking Bad, and I think it was uh, the Aussie Mandias episode, um, to realise who plays Jack. Um, but it's Mark Bowen, isn't it? The guy mm-hmm. from Jackie Brown and, and Magnolia. Yeah, very very good actor, uh, mm. and uh, reunited. Well, not on screen, but he shared cast with uh, Robert Forster of uh, Jackie oh, Brown yeah. and other yeah. things. But it was a lovely appearance from uh, Robert Forster. I think it was a perfect a perfect bit of casting. That yeah, it was a, just a last minute addition of a great character actor. Mm. Going back to the Nazis, um, do you think that like? As far as Breaking Bad goes, those characters were fairly crudely drawn. Yeah, with the exception of Todd, who obviously was... We got to know outside of the context of the Nazis before Mm -hmm. he was thrown into it. I think everyone else, you know, you had Jack, who was really only distinguished by being the head arsehole. Mm -hmm. Um, And the guy whose character name I don't remember, but I know he played Herc in Friday Night Lights, who was kind of the spindly guy with the rubbish um, moustache right but again that was just really he was just kind of the sec- he was just the um, the right hand man he didn't really have anything hugely special about him yeah and we didn't really yeah. see him doing anything neo-nazi-ish did we no they just had swastikas yeah they just got a swastika on the neck and that made, made them bad cats hmm yeah it did seem to be like as I was saying like at that point in the show Walt is such a a dark and disturbing figure and you know such a violent horrible monstrous guy that you know I think the neo-nazis are just such an easy way of giving the audience someone that you can actually root against mm. as opposed to kind of like a complex character or you know in the, in the previous seasons Hip Gus and Mike who were characters who you kind of knew and you knew had a, mor- a moral code and who pretty much stuck to it and then Walt violated it <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, it, it it certainly did feel like um, they were kind of like villain of the week. And I honestly didn't think we'd see them coming back uh, mm. in in such a big way, um, and it al- almost felt like they were there to kind of give a, a kind of a more criminal edge to to Lydia's character, who was a despicable human being, um, but uh, was you know never really got her hands dirty. Yeah, it, it they just seemed to be their role was really kind of hard to pass really Mm. I mean I think the only reason he was really going after them was because they killed Hank but you know 
even then, and because they were cooking the blue meth, which was kind of his, you know, Vince Gilligan's compared it to Lord of the Rings and saying that the blue meth was his precious, mm-hmm. and he kind of had to die around it or, or die with it. Uh, but you know, they they did seem fairly convenient as sort of the big bad of the show. Yeah. Um, do you think um, that it was? Do you think Walt was redeemed in the show? Uh, or do you think it was uh, it was kind of past redemption? Because for me, the big, the biggest moment and the best moment of the entire episode um, was his scene with uh, Skylar, mm-hmm. um, where he is about to say, you know, I did it for the family, and she kind of cuts him off, and then he comes out with, I did it because I liked it, mm-hmm. uh, and I was good at it. And that completely threw me, because I thought that he'd never never kind of come to admit that and the fact that he did was was a really great moment and obviously being Breaking Bad it was immaculately acted and kind of staged and everything although there is one thing about that scene which really confused me and I still don't know the answer but he's in his normal clothes again mm-hmm. Where'd that, where did that come from? I don't know I guess he because hmm. yeah, guess... he went home in that time to get the rice in but did he stop to pick up a change of clothes (laughs) or did he go to you know Walmart and buy himself a new set of beige clothes and slacks Uh, I guess although considering he's you know hugely wanted Mm. unless it was part of his kind of you know that as Marie is saying to Skylar that um, he was appearing sort of Scarlet Pimpernel style Mm -hmm. uh, around the place by just going and seeming to spread the police fin so that he could act without uh, impunity right I think if part of that was going and buying some new duds <laughs> yeah then yeah, I, I can kind of understand that but I kind yeah, of liked his kind of scary tramp vibe that he had with the kind <laughs> of military coat and those big hipster glasses but not to be yeah I, I, I think you're right about that that scene as kind of the emotional that is really the resolution of Walt's entire arc of mm-hmm. the show is him finally Accepting that he is Heisenberg and that the re- he stops lying mm-hmm. to himself or to anyone else about why he does it. He does it because he likes the control and he likes the sense of power. And then the rest of the show is kind of playing out for the for the audience, really, getting to him to do one awesome thing and to kind of save Jesse. But I, st- I still don't think that redeems him because he's, you know, he poisoned a kid. You know, he did all these awful things. Mm. I think he, just because he did one good thing at the end doesn't mean that he has found any sort of redemption. It just me- means that he did a good thing. I, I love the way that you picked the probably the least bad thing he did. Uh, because he, that Poisoned kid lived. Kids pretty badly. Pretty yeah, bad. But he did dissolve a kid in a bucket of acid. That's very true. He didn't kill the kid, though. Well, no, not maybe not in like directly, but he did, he did murder a lot of people in the show. He did shoot mm. a man in the face and run another one over his car, and blew one up with a bomb. Basically, he's there's a a uh, it's a, a mosaic of awfulness. <laughs> it is, it is, um, and yeah, I, I I don't think I still can't quite believe that like that whole convenient soundbite that Vince Gilligan had about turning Mr. Chips into Scarface actually was done realistically and Mm. he pulled it off not in the final movement I think he more or less got away with it for most of the show but I do think that that final realised that 
actual Scarface moment with, you know, say hello to my little friend, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, yeah, that's probably not the most realistic thing the show's ever done. But it's not a realistic show. No, magnets. We'll say it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, season five as a whole, taking into account the kind of the break across a year that we had, um, a pretty spectacular season of television and. I think everyone's in agreement, and even Vince Gilligan said it himself that um, they're not going to get a better uh, show, uh, a better kind of um, example of what Breaking Bad can do and what television can do, really, than the episode Ozymandias, which was two or three from the end of this current series. I think three, three from the end. It was the it was the anti-penultimate. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, that was really quite spectacular as, as a piece of uh, of. Um, uh, kind of single episode television um, in the sense that I watched it as I did most of the show at kind of 10am on a Monday morning uh, having woken up excitedly like a kind of kid at Christmas and put it on and then as what happened in it happened I actually turned to the vacant part of my two seater sofa and screamed why to no one <laughs> there was no one there it was just me um, but it was that it was that kind of moment wasn't it yeah I mean you know it it's just the kind of culmination of the the Hank storyline, which was heartbreaking to watch because it goes from his moment of absolute triumph to utter defeat and destruction, and also, you know, you have the whole the tragic thing where Marie goes and tells Skyler that, you know, Walt's in custody and you know Hank's won, and then they tell Walt Jr. and it just kind of, you know, everything collapses around Walt so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know everything he's built over the course of five uh, five and a bit seasons has just completely collapsed. Yeah. And it does so so with such um, speed and such shocking kind of ease that you know it is kind of it's kind of hard to pass. It's kind of hard to understand how all of this has suddenly just completely turned to ash. Mm. Um, and obviously it culminates with that amazing, much discussed phone call. Um, where between him and Skyler and the question of did he really mean all the things he said did he do it as a performance was it some mixture of both was he saying something that he entirely meant but which just happened to work as a performance you know it just had all of these amazing moments that it just hit so brilliantly one after the other yeah it was it, it, I mean it's so hard to pick out episodes of things nowadays you know in a kind of post wire world where everything feeds into a part of a larger whole but as a standalone episode that is you know the just the kind of the levels of performance that they hear are just quite remarkable but also you know the, the episode that followed it Granite State was pretty great too in terms of you know giving you the excitement of thinking oh Jesse's going to escape and then no yeah <laughs> the absolute probably I think the most heartbreaking part of the entire fifth season which was Andrea's death mm. which uh, was really affected me very deeply because I was just like no he worked so hard to protect her yeah um, and you know but also you know Walt is trapped in a, a um, in a cabin just in the middle of nowhere slowly dying mm-hmm. watching Mr. McGorham's Wonder Emporium playing yep. cards with Robert Forster everything about the episode was just a stunningly bleak kind of breakdown and just I, I, and you know ending with that great scene in the bar where he catches Charlie Rose and the Swartzes and then you know the the theme tune comes up and it's just a, an amazing moment to kind of take you into the finale I think those two episodes are are better than the finale really mm. 
in a lot of ways not that you know i did enjoy the finale i did really enjoy it and i did think that you know overall the show ended well but you kind of feel that it was the weakest of that run um do you think that breaking bad as a show in its entirety across those five seasons uh changed in any way because i i remember when i started watching it and i seem to remember i've not rewatched the show i've seen it all once i seem to remember feeling like the tone was lighter earlier on yeah i think that's definitely true because if you remember when the fifth season started and you had the magnets episode Mm -hmm. and you had the the you know dead freight which apart from the you know kid getting shot and dissolved is a fairly light-hearted episode of breaking bad and is, is you know i think those two kind of harken back to the show in its original conception which was you know, Walt and Jesse need to solve a problem. They will solve it with science. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit more of, of a caper, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. That was the word I was going to use. It's it's kind of a lark in some ways. And obviously there's a darkness because Walt is slowly dying of cancer. And, you know, he's trying to keep ev- all the secrets. But, you know, he's not ensnared by this kind of web of deceit and death yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in the early goings, you know, there's the whole the whole second episode is him threatening over whether to kill the guy that he's got in the uh, in the basement uh, which ends fairly brutally and also um, has a nice parallel to Jesse killing Todd which I thought was quite good they both kind of kill people in the same way I um, think Jesse killing Todd was probably the most emotionally satisfying part of the finale for me I was really surprised that Jesse um, had a f- he felt much more like a supporting character in this second half of this season mm. um, in the sense that he had to kind of he had he was either very kind of like upset uh, for two, two or three episodes at the start kind of not knowing what to do with his money um, and then he was being largely coerced silent. yeah largely silent coerced into uh, being an informant in the next bit and then being a slave in the last I mean he's hardly in the last episode at all is he mm. For someone yeah, who's such was, a key part of the the show's dynamic, um, he's he's not really a, a key figure. Yeah, I think you know he's he's largely absent for you know Granite State as well, except for those like, kind of key moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think yeah, that that kind of even though those episodes are great, it did kind of feel like they did a disservice to you know that great relationship and and that great performance that Aaron Paul did. You know, he's yeah. still really good when he was in it. Mm-hmm. But it really did feel like it became more of a Walt show, and then Jesse just kind of showed up for the final act. Yeah. Um, in terms of, uh, I mean, we've we've talked many times about how, in a kind of post-Sopranos age, we are kind of currently living through a kind of a golden age of cable drama, um, and then perhaps wider, the, the the standard of television is is on the rise across. Uh, all networks and and kind of genres, um, but cable drama really you can trace it back to The Sopranos being the most uh, kind of notable example of, of kind of raising that bar, and then perhaps The Wire being the next one that did that, and Breaking Bad definitely um, has kind of contributed to that. But do, do you kind of feel like where's Breaking Bad's place in those kind of like the debates that everyone seems to have every five minutes about you know greatest TV shows of all time? Because we, we, we're going through such a kind of purple patch of, of how good of television, great high quality television, that it seems like every show is the, the greatest show of all time. I think it definitely rates very, very highly, certainly in terms of like the anti-hero genre, which for me it seems to be the culmination of. Like if mm-hmm. you take The Sopranos as the beginning of that, 
and the beginning of having anti-heroes be the central kind of figure of you know sort of acclaimed television then you know he you know heisenberg seems to be the end result of that in a very sort of real and tangible way in terms of the broader pantheon i think it's hard to determine really um Mm -hmm. i think i think it definitely ranks very very high i still think that you know the wire and the sopranos are shows that i personally would rate more highly but I think it's it it warrants comparison against those and kind of really raising the bar and kind of making everyone sit up and take notice and say yeah we really need to do better. Yeah, I think like I was having this conversation with someone um, before and I was kind of saying that the reason I kind of picked those three shows out uh, is that I think that I. I personally prefer Deadwood to The Sopranos mm-hmm. I personally you know, I absolutely really love Mad Men and uh, kind of other such shows but it, it feels like with each of The Sopranos, The Wire and Breaking Bad they've just changed that landscape a little bit whereas Deadwood uh, perhaps doesn't mm-hmm. it, might, it might have kind of raised the bar in terms of uh, the production value um, but I mean, in terms of what's possible dramatically or thematically, uh, I don't really think it changed the landscape as uh, considerably as those other three shows. And my kind of point to this long kind of waffly thing is that: do we think that with the, all of those three shows overlaps at some point? Um, do we think that maybe this we are coming to the end of end of this kind of golden age of, of television that we keep banging on about? That maybe the two decades long cycle is is come to an end because there is no natural successor that's still on the air I mean Mad Men is still on the air but it's got uh, one season that's going to be split into two left over but there's nothing else out there at the moment that's that's getting close to this uh, as far as I can see I think I'm very wary of it because of this idea of it being the end of it just purely because about about seven or eight years ago I remember writing on a blog post on MySpace. So, you mm-hmm. know, that's, this, is, so this is very, very long time ago. Um, around about the time that The Sopranos' end was coming up, that, you know, The West Wing had finished, 60 Under had finished, and like all these shows that I loved and which for me were just like the absolute pinnacle of what television could do. And I still think those shows are all fantastic. And, you know, I just kind of, it was a very much kind of like, you know, where's the next big television show going to be and like in hindsight it's a fucking ridiculous thing to have written (laughs) Mm. considering like this was before Breaking Bad had started this was like at the point that The Wire was getting really great and you know it's just a it was a stupid stupid thing to write and but I did so I I just feel really really you know wary of saying exactly the same thing again because in sort of three years time we could be talking about another show that's like absolutely conquered the world Mm-hmm. And I think also the thing that's worth pointing out is, you know, we say that Breaking Bad and you know overlapped with The Wire a little bit and, and The Sopranos a little bit, but the, the important thing to note is that, uh, you know, the first two seasons of Breaking Bad were not the greatest show of all time. You know, it was a slightly repetitive sort of thing where you know they had this very set structure and they were really kind of feeling the way out so there's every possibility that the greatest show of all time could be on now but it just hasn't reached that level yet mm-hmm. 
like maybe low winter sun becomes like the greatest thing ever you know i don't think it will be but you know i think you know maybe there is some show that is just about to begin or that's just about to enter its own kind of purple patch that suddenly like completely you know changes what's possible i think so i think it's it's too early to tell but i do think that whatever the next great show is i i struggle to see it being like an anti-hero show Mm-hmm. just because I think that in terms of like changing the landscape I kind of feel as if Breaking Bad has just completely scorched the earth <laughs> in terms of what in terms of what you can do with a bleak show about a, a anti-hero who you kind of root for and hate at the same time mm. you know I can't imagine another show uh, like covering that same sort of ground with any this, anywhere near the same sort of success but you know I'd love to be proved wrong but you know, it seems to me that you know whatever the next wave of great TV shows are going to be, they're going to be they're going to struggle uh, if they try and just go for the anti-hero route. I certainly think that. Whereas you know, I'm 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 kind of happy to be cautiously optimistic about uh, the next great show, but um, nothing is leaping out at me at the moment. That's kind of perhaps why I'm being uh, kind of quite down on it. But I I, I do think that if I look back at um, Breaking Bad's legacy uh, for anything the legacy of the show that ended last week <laughs> um, um, but in terms of acting I don't think there's a better acted show on television and has been yeah I mean obviously you know uh, Brian Cranston was great pretty much from the opening mm-hmm. you know from him talking to the camera and doing his little video diary you know I think there's that he, he was always at the absolute top of his game throughout and he just got better and better Mm-hmm. You know, he always seemed to just be in a competition with himself. <laughs> um, but you can really see like Aaron Paul really developed hugely as the show went on, and everyone else really kind of whenever they were paired with Brian Cranston, they just really gave their all. Mm-hmm. And you know, even sort of the minor characters. Like I remember in the first season, I re- I liked Hank, but it wasn't like he was my favorite character. I didn't feel like he was the guy I was rooting for in the show. But sort of by the end, you know, when his death his death is like the the tragic event of the show is the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen Mm -hmm. and i think that that's a testament to how well every character in it a you know how good they were to begin with but also how they reacted to the changes in the show and how well that chemistry kind of gelled between them as the show went on Mm. yeah i think that um the the bit that you pinpointed about the ozymandias episode with the phone call Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might just be the, the the pinnacle of television acting because I think that there was just so much going on there. Like you say, um, it's not just something that's open to interpretation. There was there was so much in the performance and so much in the writing that um, it just this this kind of staggering emotional depth to it and this kind of complexity of that scene and what was happening. It was uh, it was quite something to behold and. Um, you know that's a scene that that could have been completely lost in in less capable hands yeah it could have just been so flat or so obvious whereas there you know the reason why there were like a thousand think pieces mm. <laughs> written about it immediately afterwards was that everything about it really made you question what was going on in the scene and it wasn't just a phone call it was it, it was kind of a moratorium on the the entirety of Walt's character and what the show was about and it takes a special show and a special, you know, actor to manage that. Mm. Um, I'll tell you what I'm enjoying, 
and um, it's it's been something I've been enjoying for maybe the last two or three weeks is on all social media uh, the Facebook and uh, the Twitter um, if I had a pound for the amount of times that I'd heard someone tweet or, or, or post um, everyone's going on about Breaking Bad I've watched mm-hmm. the first few episodes it's really not that great then right. I would have about £8 because that's happened about eight times um, do you think that people still aren't quite getting what it means to kind of absorb episodic television such as this because you wouldn't if someone recommended a book you wouldn't post on on Twitter oh I've read the first couple of chapters of The Great Gatsby it's rubbish which is <laughs> it's kind of crazy yeah I do think that I think everyone is used to because it's the way that, that television has always been kind of structured to it the disposability of it and the idea that you're meant to be hooked from the beginning and some shows do have amazing pilots and just that kind of really um that really draw you in from the beginning you mm-hmm. know like the sopranos has that the you know friday night lights has that cheers has that there's loads of shows that are like that but i think it's 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 more only more recently that the idea that you have to give a show time has kind of developed as a way of watching it and i don't think that people who are sort of casual television watchers people who haven't kind of been kind of following the, the great kind of swathes of tv shows over the last sort of 15 years or so uh, have been used to mm. and but but I think that that's one of the things that binge watching is really kind of encouraging I think the idea of people being able to watch all of a show in a short sp- space of time even though I personally don't like watching shows that way I can see it you know helping people overcome maybe the early kind of hiccups of a show and kind of really getting into it mm. yeah I know, I know like three or four people who didn't watch Breaking Bad until this last season Mm-hmm. And they've just kind of torn through it, and yeah. you know the speed at which they go through obviously helps that because you get over those kind of early hurdles and just you 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 get the feedback from everyone just saying oh no it gets really good in season three. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's that whole binge watching thing is kind of is quite strange because one of the people that uh, I saw on kind of my Facebook feed said you know I've I've watched them all in a week and I don't really like the show and just mm. like. I mean, I've I've binge watched several shows, but not to the extent that you're watching, what is it like sixty hours in one week? Because that surely you just can't take that in, can you? Well, I certainly can't. No, I've only done that. I have done that in the past, but only with shows I've already seen. And you know, but I wouldn't do that with a new show because with a new show you're trying to get to grips with everything, and I think it's really antithetical to kind of watch it all in just like a big concerted burst like that. Hmm. I watched um, all of 30 Rock in about two weeks. Um, that was a bit silly. Um, but I, I find it much easier to do with uh, kind of 22-minute, um, you know, kind of network sitcoms because they just yeah. kind of bleed so easily into each other. I also did it with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which gives you a very, very kind of twisted mindset <laughs> if uh, all you're doing each day because that was the point where my now wife was living in... Uh, Manchester to complete her teaching degree and I was basically at home staying up all hours watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia so I kind of ended and I wasn't really kind of I was working from home a lot as well <laughs> I just kind of developed this really kind of dyspeptic world outlook <laughs> where every every kind of thought I had was kind of deeply despicable and immoral and you were constantly yelling yeah exactly yeah constantly constantly yelling um, 
we've had we've asked uh, pe- the people of Twitter and the people of uh, the Facebook um, to kind of send us their um, kind of favourite moments from uh, Breaking Bad. This is a kind of a new thing we're doing. We did it kind of last episode as well to to kind of like farm some opinions so we don't have to think of so many ourselves. And we've had a lot of uh, people get back to us about their favourite moments of Breaking Bad. Uh, we've got uh, Dave Combrey, uh, friend of the show. Dave Combrey says that uh, the final adjustment of Gus's tie when he steps out of the room and he's got <laughs> half a face uh, is such a beautiful little moment. Uh, I'd agree with that one. Uh, formerly Mad Andy on Twitter uh, picks the final scene of Crawl Space, the episode where Walt has his breakdown when he finds finds out that most of his money's been given to the guy whose name I can't remember. Ted. Ted, that's right. Um, so we've also got uh, Joe on Twitter says, any scene featuring Huel, which is <laughs> fair enough. Uh, and uh, Aisha on uh, Twitter also says, uh, it's quite a like, left field one, the bit where they introduced uh, Jesse's parents and his brother kind of like adds a bit of depth and humanity to that character uh, it's a very interesting choice um, what have you had sent your way uh, David uh, Mumpower contacted me and said um, you know that some of the highlights would be stay out of my territory uh, you know which is kind of the point where Heisenberg really emerges makes good use of TV on the radio as well mm-hmm. um, the way uh, Giancarlo Esposito behaves the moments leading up to the murder in Box Cutter you know he's just so precise I have to say that the the box, the box cutter moment uh, is was my pick for for my favorite um, my favorite moment of, of all the series um, because I remember watching that episode and irrespective of everything that t- uh, Jesse and Walt had got into before that all the stuff I mean in the second episode they melted a body in a bathtub but like I remember as soon as uh, Gus slits the guy's throat I was just like oh man this is bad. <laughs> this has gone too far now. <laughs> These guys aren't getting out of this one easily. Um, uh, he also said um, uh, Hank's behaviour during one minute is spectacular. The bullet he uses to kill is also foreshadowed cleverly, and I think that that is. Uh, you know, I think if I were to pick a favourite episode of the show, I think one minute would be mine, just because that ending is so spectacular. It's one of the best action sequences I think I've ever seen, certainly on television. Which is the one minute episode? Which is it? The one where he, the hit gets put on him? Yeah, it's the one where the hit gets put on him, and he he has his uh, shootout with the twins. with the twins. Yeah, it's pretty stunning. I was going to pick another another great moment for me is the first appearance of the twins. It was really early mm-hmm. on in that season where there's this weird kind of ritual, and they're crawling along the ground, and they get to this kind of altar, and they just put a picture of Heisenberg on this wall next to all these kind of like Grim Reaper figurines, and it's really kind of peculiar and kind of quite discombobulating start to an episode is that is that the start of an episode yeah it is it's like the cold open this sort of yeah. weird Fellini-esque kind yeah. of surreal sequence what about you what's your what's your pick for, for great moments other than, than the one minute uh, I think uh, a great one I think I do like that moment I do like and it's just a silly moment but I really like the the song that opens one of the episodes you know <laughs> where they have the song about Heisenberg this is the mariachi song. Yeah. Um, just some more uh, feedback from Twitter. Lewis Davis, no uh, no relation, mm. said uh, Todd being in love with Lydia, uh, yep. he thought it was a very nice touch. Pretty creepy. And, you know, covered a lot of the same points earlier about the, the, the Nazis being a little too easy um, as far as villains go, saying that Gus and Mike were in some ways the greatest creations of the show because they're the professional criminals, but in a way that are 
in ways that are more moral than Walt is. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Michaela Livingston said uh, said that she, you know, it was a great show. The acting, uh, Brian Cranston's acting blows me away. And, and you know, kind of can't believe that it's the same guy who played Hal on Malcolm mm-hmm. in the Middle. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if, uh, because it's written so cleverly, how many times I can watch it through without getting bored and picking it apart, which is something I've kind of wondered about it, how rewatchable the show will be. Because I, like you, I've only seen it once all the way through. And I do kind of wonder how well it will stand up. I'm sure, like, individual episodes will be great. But, you know, I kind of wonder, now that you know the end game, if you're just going to be there kind of trying to pick up the threads and kind of poke holes. Yeah, I, I wonder how much foreshadowing is in those earlier seasons. Because mm-hmm. like I say, kind of the, the show didn't know whether it was going to come back for a season five at one point. So they kind of geared up to have a kind of uh, an ending in place of sorts at the end of season four, the conclusion of the Gus Fring storyline. Um, but I, I wonder, you know, whether kind of earlier on there are some kind of notes as to where it's going to go. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting because, you know, Vince Gilligan and the writers have always said that they, that they, apart from the second season, which has all the flash forwards, mm-hmm. they never, they were never that strict on planning everything out as they went. It was very much kind of, they would go into a room and they would plot out an episode and then they say, what's the most interesting solution? And then just kind of see how that went. Mm-hmm. So it was a very kind of free form kind of plotting just kind of like and then what happens and then what happens and you know what's the best way to do this and I think that that is uh, something that I find very interesting and it, it something that I think will be you know if you can really see that approach in, in earlier episodes if it does feel free form or now that we know how it ends will it feel in some way more complete because we know how it ends and maybe they they started kind of pulling the threads together earlier than we expected mm. yeah um, do you think that like the thing I noticed about this the kind of season finale of um, of Breaking Bad is the, just the sheer amount of of, um, of media saturation there was um, around the show I mean um, we had so many people talking about it so many like uh, blogs leading up to it we had TV shows we had podcasts obviously I, I mean I said to you before we recorded I was genuinely in two minds about whether to actually do a podcast on Breaking Bad because I, I kind of figure you know what are we adding to the debate and then obviously I thought well clearly we add the definitive opinion to the debate as we always do um, but it really has been unlike anything we've ever seen hasn't it yeah, I think because so much of the show's audience found it online through Netflix, then mm-hmm. that's kind of bleeds into it. And, you know, the, the, there was, for this last season in particular, there was such an effort on people wanting to catch up so as not to have the ending spoiled for them mm-hmm. that, you know, I think it became, it did become really deafening. And I genuinely started to feel sorry for people who don't watch Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not definitely. because they're missing out, but just because Twitter became fucking insufferable. <laughs> It did, yeah. As someone who likes the show and was tweeting about it, you know, I just kind of thought, yeah, if I didn't watch this show, I would hate everyone. Mm, yeah, um, I think one of one of the the biggest things that um, neither you, you or I are a fan of is uh, there was a thing called Talking Bad on mm. after Breaking Bad. It was an AMC thing, and it was presented by Chris Hardwick, who's uh, people know him from the Nerdist podcast and he's kind of stand up he's he's generally considered to be an alright guy is that right Ed? 
Yeah, I've I've always found him very kind of uh, charming and pleasant whenever he's been on things like you know Comedy Bang Bang and mm. you know whenever I've seen him just kind of showing up on panel shows but not hosting them. I think he as a host he seems really awkward. Yeah, and, and he really goes for the sycophantic fanboy thing yeah. in a big way. As much as we didn't have to watch it, I did watch it. And yeah, it was kind of sickening, kind of just seeing the show given a kind of unreserved rim job every 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 week. It was kind of, I don't know, I don't know, I kind of think is this necessary? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not a show that lacked for acclaim. Yeah, and it was like, think... it was just a, it's an extended advert for the, the the merchandise that you could buy from the Breaking Bad website, and I was just like, every episode they were giving away Breaking Bad T-shirts and key rings and all this kind of stuff, and I was just like. Oh god, I kind of almost feel like this is a show that doesn't really need all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it reminded me, you know the episode of The Simpsons where Homer plays baseball and they have all the famous major leaguers show up mm-hmm. for the uh, for the nuclear power softball team. Yeah. On the um, audio commentary for that episode, they the the writer makes a joke how they end up with like there's like sepia stuff of all of the scenes from earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. And they joke about it and say, you know, ah, making you nostalgic for the episode you just watched. <laughs> and it kind of feels like that with talking about it. It's like, you know, <laughs> ah, you're making me miss the show I just finished watching and now you're telling me what to think about it. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I liked everyone who was involved with it. There's some great guests on. But, yeah, just a horrible show. Um, and I'm kind of glad uh, that's not going to be on anymore. Um, in terms of uh, kind of overkill... What it does reflect, the interest media-wise, is that there was an absolutely enormous spike in the viewing figures for this show. Um, And, yeah, we saw the the figures released. uh, I don't think they were officially released, but they've come from somewhere. But the season finale viewing figures in millions, year one was 1.5 million, year two was also 1.5 million, year three increased 1.6 million, not a great deal, year four massive leap up to 1.8 million, Year five, 2.8 million. That's a sizable leap. Mm-hmm. But then in this year, 10.3 million. Five times the amount of viewers from the previous... You know, it's double... Well, very nearly double all of the other seasons added up together. Um, that's crazy. We've never seen that before. What what can we attribute that to? I think, you know, Vince Gilligan certainly seemed to attribute it to Netflix because when the show won the Emmy for Best Drama the weekend before the finale aired... The, um, he thanked Netflix for keeping the show on the air because, you know, as those ratings attest, the show was quite a cult property for a long time. You know, it, it compared to it was always kind of the junior partner to Mad Men in the AMC kind of stable of dramas mm-hmm. up until the fourth season when it suddenly became a much kind of more substantial hit. I think that a large part is that's when people started to pick it up on Netflix and started to binge watch it and go. Hey, and sort of recommended to friends. I think the fifth, the the two part of fifth season thing really emphasised that demand because that was when people suddenly started watching it live. They were all caught up on the first five seasons and they were like, "Man, I need to watch this now with everyone else because otherwise I will like miss out on the conversation." You know, it really did kind of revive the idea of water cooler television, which mm. I think people had kind of started to think had died out in the internet age like people would just watch shows at their own pace and then you know they'd all be at different points in the series and whatever whereas sort of this it it kind of became appointment viewing and you had to be you had to watch it live because otherwise you'd miss out and you might have shit spoiled for you I mean at work 
it was a nightmare for me the one week I didn't get to watch it live and I had to watch it recorded on Monday evening mm. because the people in the cubicle over from me were talking about it really loudly so I just had to sit there and blare music really loud into my ears so I didn't hear anything and do you know what some people don't think we've got real problems do you know what I mean yeah it's it's hardcore like I, <laughs> yeah, I missed I missed one the same but luckily no one in my work watches it so I kind of uh, dodged a bullet there, but I was too scared to go on the internet in, in any way um, for kind of fear of spoilers, which is, with Twitter now, is, you know, unavoidable. It's very hard to avoid. I did like um friend of the show, Ryan Finnegan, joking about having to sort of dodge past people on the streets for fear of hearing uh, spoilers mm. when the finale had aired and he was waiting to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I did generally feel like texting him and saying, you know, Walt, Walt kills Walt Jr., <laughs> with, a, with a samurai sword or something something that's kind of you know just well yeah erroneous um, so this has come to an end uh, you're all more optimistic than me that there's another great show out there um, what could the listeners possibly tune into that might be worth a punt as uh, something to get into now so they can pretend in three years time when it has become the greatest television show ever made that they liked it all along uh, I think uh, one that has been getting a lot of very, very good reviews, which I was not able to watch because I didn't have the channel that it's on, is a show called Rectify, which is a show created by Ray McKinnon, who's the Oscar winner for um short film many years ago, which he shared with um, with uh, Wa- uh, Walton Goggins. And, All right. Um, it's a show about a guy who comes out of prison and about his return to sort of normality and when he's returned to his... Um, when he's kind of returned to his life that has been hailed by many as a work as like the really great new show um, the first season was just released on DVD it's only six episodes it's got a second season coming out next year mm-hmm. um, Ray McKinnon also uh, is in Deadwood uh, he is the uh, epileptic preacher in the first few episodes of Deadwood oh yeah okay yeah if you want to place him he's a very very good writer director and actor and um yeah, I think that one's kind of being flat, uh, flouted as, as uh, a one to watch out and see how it develops. Uh, Masters of Sex on Showtime with Michael Sheen um, of Twilight fame mm-hmm. and other things, but mainly from his, mainly Twilight. Ridic- his ridiculous way of talking. <laughs> um, and Lizzie Kaplan of uh, Freaks and Geeks and True Blood and, and many, many good things. But that show's getting a lot of very, very good reviews as kind of a sort of showtime kind of stepping into the madmen kind of looking at societal changes through the prism of history sort of thing and attitudes to sex which mm. has been uh, getting good reviews and and a film I'm, a, a series that I'm quite excited about is HBO's True Detective which is a mini series starring uh, Matthew McConaughey because what doesn't these days mm. and Woody Harrelson uh, uh, following the course of a homicide uh, investigation over 20 years apparently their plan is each series will follow a different true life case wow so with with a different cast every year so this, this is the first one and the trailer for it looks pretty dark and morose and epic so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how that one turns out yeah in in kind of other news uh in a segment we should call david milchwatch uh, he, he's got himself a new show uh, HBO have taken another punt on Milch uh, Milch for those of you who don't know is the creator and un- probably unluckiest TV creator around uh, he did 
things like um, NYPD Blue and uh, Hill Street Blues and uh, LA Law was that his? Uh, I don't think he created it, but he, he definitely wrote on that and Hill Street Blues. And I think NYPD Blue was the f- was probably one of the first one he created. Yeah. So he also did a little show called Deadwood, which is a absolute fucking masterpiece, uh, which was cancelled because it ended up costing too much money. Uh, and then we had John from Cincinnati, which uh, I've not seen, but you've seen, which was also cancelled because it was just too weird. And then Luck ironically titled uh, show was cancelled because he murdered too many horses um, and they've got uh, a new show which uh, apparently stars Brendan Gleeson who's cast in the lead role as the family patriarch of a um, New York media family yeah I'm very very excited for anything he does because even though he's kind of a lunatic mm-hmm. um, he is just he's just unlike anyone else working in television today for that very reason he's got such manic energy and such a, an interesting way the work, view of the way people interact with each other and you know Brendan Gleeson's an amazing actor and you know if it's anything like Look it'll be a masterpiece because Look was amazing but you know obviously very very unfortunate that you know uh, horses died in the course of, it, of, of making it and um, you know by the sound of things there's no horses in this one always good so the ho- horses will only be killed by him privately off the set where they can't endanger the show right okay I assume okay. Yeah, what's David Simon up to because uh, Tremay comes to an end this year is that right yeah Tremay is ending in I think two months I think it ends over Christmas which suggests that HBO really don't value the show that much because they're burning off the last four episodes or whatever at a time when no one really watches much new TV mm. and um, but you know I'm sure he'll he'll come back and do something because he's obviously got a great relationship with them he's done four projects with them now with the wire the corner generation kill and treme so i'm mm. sure he will you know he will pick something up with them in in due time um apparently uh he's collaborating with uh, tom fontana of oz fame on a mini series about the manhunt for john wilkes booth Oh well, yeah, I think he's uh, he's been working on that for a while. I read the book that so that's based on purely because I heard that he was uh, he was interested in it, and that's a very very good book called Manhunt. Yeah. Uh, which is all about the the twelve days after Lincoln was shot and the the search for John Wilkes Booth at a time when uh, news literally pa- uh, travelled as fast as a horse could. Right. Okay. So 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 for much of the hunt, it was all about. All John Wilkes Booth had to do was travel faster than a horse just to stay ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, what travels faster, John Wilkes Booth or a horse? There you go. That's the endless debate that people have. Um, in other, well, perhaps the the last the last kind of uh, big drama uh, we should talk about, and we talked about, um, you know, Breaking Bad perhaps being the pinnacle of uh, television drama. I may have overshot my mark there because Danny Dyer has joined EastEnders. And that is that is probably the, that's going to be the perfect storm, isn't it? That's that's Danny Dyer and EastEnders. Yeah, I think we're going to have to develop, devote sort of four hours to discussing his first week, mm. all the nuances he brings to it, all the ways in which he completely reshapes the the East End. Mm-hmm. And I'll have what to completely happened? reconfigure my 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 point about Breaking Bad being the pinnacle of acting on television. Yeah, I, I think the entirety of television would stop as soon as he says, get out of my pub. 
<laughs> that immortal well, line. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I wonder when he start. I mean, you're you're gonna have to get up and watch it on Netflix the next day after it airs, because <laughs> um, obviously you're stateside Ed, and you're missing out. Do they have EastEnders over there? Is it like on BBC America or anything? Uh, mm, I, there might be. There are some channels that cater to it. I know that there are some channels that show Corey. Right. Okay. But I think maybe they've made their choice and they they they've fallen on that side of the divide. <laughs> More for them, more for them. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's your Breaking Bad uh, uh, episode. Um, I, I don't really have anything more to say to that. It's a great show, um, and I'm sad it's over, but I'm also glad it's over because I can dedicate more emotional time <laughs> to stuff because it was properly draining on me, um, especially those last kind of four episodes. Because every week would be a kind of a build-up of huge tension, and then watching the show was really really cruel each week I did make a make a note uh, that I thought the Red Wedding was bad in Game of Thrones but in Breaking Bad it was like the Red Wedding every single week it was just grueling yeah I think that was yeah I'm looking forward to watching more sedate stuff I'm quite glad that Parks and Rec came back the week that uh, that Breaking Bad aired its finale just because it gave me something more positive to kind of focus on <laughs> Yeah, I've I've been going back and watching The American Office just to cheer myself up, um, you know, because I need I need some levity in in these kind of dark days. But yeah, that's your lot. Um, um, if you liked this episode, please subscribe to us on iTunes. We appreciate that. And if you really like us, then leave us a little review. If you don't like us, then fuck off. Um, we've got no time for for time wasters. Um, and yeah, we're gonna come back next week with something I think we're going to talk about distribution next week aren't we Ed which ties in quite nicely to this whole Netflix malarkey that's affected Breaking Bad's viewing figures so much yeah we're going to just sit there and watch nothing but Netflix for a week which is pretty much what I do anyway yeah nothing but Netflix I think would be a slogan for basketball players <laughs> who really want to get into streaming <laughs> nothing but Netflix I like it um, um, so until uh, next week and our thrilling chat about distribution it's goodbye from me and goodbye from me and goodbye from me nadie jamás ha escapado este compa ya está muerto no más no le han avisado